It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. I am JJ Travers, and I'm joined tonight, as always, by Nicola Herview and Jim Lahane. Tonight, we're talking some Star Wars news. Uh, we're talking some Star Wars books. Just kidding. Just a single book. Star Wars Ronin. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the um, the book you may have heard of based off the Visions uh, episode. The first episode, I believe. The Duel of Star Wars Visions. The uh, animated anthology series that came out, I think, about a month or so uh, ago now. And yeah. We got some news first, but before we do that, I don't think we took last week off because everyone's lives were crazy. So I don't think I've talked to you guys since uh, before Thanksgiving. Is that right? That's yes. we did the holiday episode uh, gift guide just before Thanksgiving. That's, That's right. right. So, uh, Nicole, Hi. how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was very nice, thank you. Very small. I was just with my immediate family, um, but it was very relaxing. Very nice. Watch the parade, you know. That was fun. Um, no, I enjoyed it. I had a really, really nice time. It was quiet. It was exactly what I needed. Um, yeah, it was good. How about yours? Uh, it was great. My uh, first time hosting with my wife in our new house. Uh, it was just my immediate family, um, excluding both my siblings. One had to work. One was with their partner, uh, so it was just my parents and then my wife's, uh, siblings and her uncle. And it was just a really nice, relaxing day filled with football, um, delicious cider and an absurd amount of delicious food. It was like exhausting towards the end of it. Just like eating dessert was a real task. So <laughs> I, hate it when I feel that, that. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, really nice day. What about you, Jim? Uh, it was just the three of us, um, my wife and daughter, and that's all we needed. Uh, we uh, had a, my wife made the meal as she has done. She's made uh, Thanksgiving since I lived in Texas for us. Yeah. So it was almost going on 20 years now that uh, it's really just been us or the three of us. Um, so we did that. Had dessert. I made pie. I love pie. What kind of pie? uh apple mm, uh, I mean. okay very nice nice my mom very made good. an apple pie we had that with vanilla ice cream and whipped cream that's what i used five different types of apples jesus lord i bought a pumpkin pie so that's that's where we're that's at here <laughs> <laughs> how domestic of you i am i've made brownies what i made was brownies regular brownies but they were like triple fudge with chocolate chips in them so that sounds go. great my, what's up i can make my, something <laughs> my wife was pulling out all the different bags of apples she's like how many apples did you get i'm like i have to get the flavor the palate correct you gotta get um, all the apples the answer is all the apples yeah i think so besides that uh we went to i went to genesis on uh saturday so nice. that was uh, that was a big thing uh i've been wanting to see them for over a decade and uh it was well worth the wait yeah it was great that's awesome yeah I would assume that would be great. That's that sounds like a good show. It was a good show. It was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. I think uh I think my favorite food that day was actually an, a new appetizer uh my wife prepared which is like 
incredibly easy to make. I've never heard of them or had them before uh, now. Uh, I ate way too many of them. They were cranberry brie bites. They're so, just, so good. Oh, you've had them. Yes, I have. <laughs> active, brie bites are... I'm just... I can't... No words. Just dancing. Yeah, you look They're very so excited. <laughs> Do you see how I woke up? Did you see how that happened? <laughs> Yeah, food, so food they're easy that. to make. We're having a, a, a small Christmas party on Saturday, um, and that's one of the things we're making for it. And I'm trying to like think if, if I can get away with putting them out early so I can eat most of them without her noticing. <laughs> well, it's all in the display. Mm. You can you can display them and kind of shift a bunch over so it looks like it's full, but you have your own little stash. Right, exactly. Be sneaky about it. Oh, very sneaky. Um, I almost forgot. Our gift guide, I talked to you guys at the start of the episode about something. Ta-da! Oh, the shirt! Yeah! Good job, bud. Looks Are you great. happy with your, uh, with your purchase? I am. It's very comfortable. Uh, for our listening audience who can't see us on Zoom right now, <laughs> uh, at the start of the gift guide episode, I had talked about wanting to get uh, a Star Wars sweater slash sweatshirt and Jim and Nicole helped me narrow it down and pick one out and it just came uh, and I love it. It's very comfortable. Um, it, the size is great. It fits well. Yeah. Very stoked with my purchase. Go team. I'm very festive tonight. Mm. All right. We got some news. Your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Hello, what have we here? Um, I think we should go from a purchase to a purchase. I like that little segue here. Um, let's see. It was about a week ago. Funko announced a new um, Funko Pop shock. They do that every day. Uh, but this one, I have... I think I've talked about it on the podcast more than once, how I've seriously tried to limit my purchasing of these uh, over the last few years because I just got to the point where I had too many. I got rid of some, gave some away. Um, and there's been none until now that have like really grabbed my attention to the point uh, where I felt like I needed to buy it. Uh, so they announced Star Wars The Mandalorian hooded Luke with a green glow-in-the-dark lightsaber uh this will be in the show notes uh it's awesome i saw it and immediately was like okay i'm gonna pre-order that this second yeah you shared it onto the aip discord and it was i i usually scroll through that discord to see what news i should we should talk about and i saw this and i'm like yeah we're talking about that because that looks really cool it does look dope i i am also like really trying very hard to limit my funko pop purchasing um because my goodness do those things add up but that one's really cool and it's taking a lot of restraint a lot of restraint for me to not immediately pre-order yeah i just i was like all right you got me yeah they knew their audience with that one (laughs) they really did that's like one of my favorite star wars moments ever yeah um and i was like yeah that's the second i saw it i was like oh okay i need it what's going on where can i get it uh, so they actually it, charged your credit card before they even released it. it yes. was, yeah, they knew. It was just they knew. They, they knew. were like, we're we going to take buddy. care of this for you. Yeah. We got you. Yeah. And with a lot of these things, uh, like the pre-orders are kind of ridiculous. Like 
my friend and I have a band that we both really love, and they were like, oh, this new special edition of vinyl for one of our albums that we love is uh, on pre-order. And we're like, oh, cool. When is it? September 2022. Like, why even put it out right now? I guess supply chain. That would be my guess is they want to know exactly how many to order and give you like the most amount of time for it to get there. That would be my guess. But there sense. are some I'm times where it's it. <laughs> so long for no type of reason. Like it's not a Kickstarter, you know? Right. It's, it's yes. A vinyl record yes. for a very successful band. Right. But <laughs> um, yeah, I that would be my only guess is that it's a a supply chain issue. I don't know. This the this is coming out in June of twenty twenty two. It's Oh, it's February for me. Oh, they might have done one round and then it's, they're on another round. Yeah, they do oh, that okay. sometimes it's... where they're like, "This round gets it like February. This round gets it in April." What okay. they, yeah, they do it on like a lists... rolling basis. Yeah, their website lists the Luke as uh, June twenty second, uh, June yeah. twenty twenty two. Yeah, I don't know, but again, I'm I'm really just just wild accusations, wild assumptions, but that's what I got. <laughs> um, another piece of news. Disneyland After Dark. Jim. Yeah, you want to tell us about this, Jim? You want to tell us about this? <laughs> so I, I may have gone a rant on Twitter um, today. <laughs> I I was really mad. Uh, yeah, he Disneyland. texted both of Nicole he and I. He swore at us. I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. Jim's mad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so when Celebration was set for August of 2020, they had Disneyland After Dark, which is one of their events where they have special desserts, fireworks, and a lot of the special characters coming around. And they do it for various um, different uh, things, not just Star Wars, but they had one for Star Wars. This is the first one for Star Wars, I believe, that they've had. And they had it set for Celebration. And so I jumped right on it. I got my ticket I was set to go to Celebration. I got my ticket for Disneyland After Dark for the Star Wars thing for Celebration. And then, obviously, Celebration was canceled. Disneyland had actually been shut down for all of 2020, really. Um, And so, obviously, this didn't happen. And they kind of had a note on their website. And I'm not 100% sure what it said, but I think it was generally your ticket will get forwarded to the next event should that come up. And so I didn't request a refund. I just kind of sat on it. Well, they just announced today as we're recording that Disneyland After Dark Star Wars is coming back. And they're going to have three events, three different days on May 3rd and May 4th in honor of Star Wars Day, May the 4th. And then on May 27th, I believe it's May 27th, in honor of Celebration so that people at Celebration are going to be there. Anyone who got their tickets for the Disneyland After Dark in 2020 and obviously didn't go uh can forward their ticket to the new one for free but only if it's on the may 3rd and may 4th dates if you forward it to the celebration date you have to pay an extra 66 dollars bringing the total cost of the ticket to 175 dollars yeah yes you get in the park um you, I think you can get in starting at six before the park's closed, and then you have all that time, though, which is just like after the park closes, it's just the people who purchase the tickets. But it, this is like a bait and switch. Like you bought tickets for the event. They said you can forward those tickets to a new event for free, but obviously anybody who's coming in from out of town for celebration, which is the reason they bought the tickets in the first place, can't 
forward them on. I can't even imagine anybody's really going to change the date of their tickets to the ones not at celebration. No, because of yeah, not. that's that's bananas. Now, I I've never done. I'm just I just have Disney World to compare it to with the after hours events. They do the same thing in Disney World, and that's about like 175 is about right for an after hours in Disney World. Um, sometimes they range from 150 to 250, depending on the dates. Like if it's a Christmas event, the closer it is to Christmas, the more money it is. But where they have gone awry is that this was a celebration event, right? Yes. So when I changed my Disney World tickets from 2020 to 2021, right, because of the pandemic as well, we did have to pay more per ticket because of crowd control issues and we had to pay more money to change our the dates on our tickets. It should be the other way around, is what I'm saying. They could offer you the third and the fourth for more money, or you you know what I'm saying? Like that got really that I can't understand why they would do it the way they're doing it. Nobody's do you know what I'm saying? Do it. it doesn't make any sense. No. Like Maybe it should be an upcharge will. to go earlier and like it should be good for the celebration date. That's that's where I'm not understanding what the hell is going on. Yeah, you know what I'm it's, saying? It's like, like, if you live locally, this is a great option for you. It, that's what I'm saying. But everyone yeah. that knows about Celebration, I haven't never gone. I would love to. But I know that people come from all over the world. They're always like, we have people from like 50, 60 countries. Like, yes. clearly, this is going to negatively impact the majority of the people that are coming to Celebration. Exactly. And and they know that. Like, yeah. that's such a, I'm, I'm sorry, but this is just like a scum and villainy move like what are you doing disney you're better i'm not happy bob (laughs) well (laughs) like you think about it like when would you want to to do this event bob chapek you want to do it in celebration i don't yeah you want to do it when your friends are there all celebrating star wars like these are the people that you want to be doing galaxy's edge with like have galaxy's edge filled with star wars like diehard star wars fans not yeah like obviously like the other people going to on the third and fourth are going to be like big fans, but not like these are not celebration, like the Uber fans that go to the celebration. Right. Right. I could like I'm saying I could see if they wanted to do an upcharge for the third and the fourth. Like if you want to take advantage, if you're local, if you want to take advantage of the fact that it's not a celebration, you're going to pay for it. I I could be devil's advocate for that because I know how they price tickets and I know that it's based on crowd control. But this is bass backwards in like the biggest sense. Like this, there's no justification for this, except they want your money. That's it. It's it's That's a it. bait and switch. It's like yeah. I, like I was saying. It's they literally said, "Yes, I know you bought these tickets. By the way, you need to pay us more in order to use them." Yeah, it's nonsense. It's they should be honoring the tickets for all three days. Period. But if they were gonna do an upcharge, it should not be on celebration. That that's my my anger. The company like, that has like makes money like hand over fist. Oh by, yeah, like waking up and taking a, a drink of their coffee is is like <laughs> gonna penny uh, penny pinch people for this. Like, and they've been doing that. The parks have been doing that since they reopened. Like, and Disneyland got it worse because they were closed for so much longer. So they're really just hurting the guests in order to make it up. It's you know, that's out. what they're doing. And it's it it is as much as I love Disney, they are sometimes the worst with this. Like they yeah. w- if they see an opportunity to take another fifty dollars out of your pocket, they will do it every time. 
And what's upsetting is there's so many people who will pay it every time because we're in their pockets. And well, I'm one of those people. Well, but, yeah, me too. You know, a, but it's, it's I, you shouldn't be taking advantage of your most loyal fan base. Like, so stop. I was talking to a friend who was going and she had said that um, not only was was she going to pay the money, which I said I, I will probably begrudgingly pay the money because I want to go and spend the time. Like, that's the whole reason I bought it in the first place. Yep. But apparently, like, since they just released this today, you have to call to get your ticket changed. Wait time. She was on the phone for 90 minutes. Yeah. And I yeah, saw people on yeah. Twitter complaining about 45-minute wait. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll wait. Like, it, they gave you to January 11th, I think, to change your ticket. I'm like, I'll wait till wait. this... <laughs> Uh, this this dies down a little when I forget I, that I hate mm, you. <laughs> the, Dis- the Disney phone lines can get bananas. Like there have been multiple hour waits before. Um, I mean, for many reasons, but it's still ridiculous. It's it's just ridiculous how slammed they get. Um, but yeah, that is there's no excuse for that. There's just none. Well, uh, I still hope you have a good time, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. Despite them being like huge jerks yeah. and taking I'll, advantage of Star Wars fans, I'll. It, it's one of those you just got to push it to the back of your mind and go and have fun. I'm not going to sit yeah. there and pout about it while I'm there. It's like it's it's done. It, it is what it is. I'll fight about it now and then just like go and have fun. Yeah, exactly. Like whenever that kind of thing happens to me, I'm like the money's already gone. It's all right. Like it's been gone. It's okay whatever but it's still i get it like you know complain about it now criticize it now but by the time you get there you're gonna enjoy it you know begrudgingly so but yeah he's gonna have the time of his life and we're both gonna be super jealous that's true that's 100 percent true you'll be better <laughs> off than us who will be sitting here like i wish i could pay 175 dollars to go to this event maybe uh, one day i'll get to go yeah one day i'll get to celebration all right, let's celebrate something else. Mm. Let's celebrate the return of Star Wars comics to Dark Horse comics. So Ooh. this news is a little bit old, but we haven't talked about it yet. Um, Jim had the idea to talk about this um, because it is very exciting. Uh, so if you're not aware, Star Wars comic books started with Dark Horse Comics, the publisher. Wrong. Wow. All right. That was that was in real time. That was a little rough. Go on. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me how they were in a newspaper or some like ridiculously yeah. obscure Marvel. thing. Marvel really? had a really? Marvel had a hundred and seven issues of the Star Wars comic series that started in nineteen seventy. Oh come on, I guess. Uh-huh. They, uh, okay. Where do you think Jackson the Rabbit came from? They was All in right, Marvel right, issue right. number eight. <laughs> For the majority of 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 comic book fans in my generation, there I corrected myself. Star Wars comics was synonymous with Dark Horse comics. Wow. All of the first Star Wars comics I read were through Dark Horse comics. They were with Dark Horse comics for a very long time until 2015, when um, Disney's acquisition of Marvel. Uh, occurred and the license was not renewed with dark horse and they were super bummed about it uh obviously who wouldn't be but uh yeah we're gonna get them again uh i'm curious what the strategy here is if they're trying to um get 
creators that aren't signed with Marvel on the books, if they think that Dark Horse uh, Publishing will get it into hands that somehow Marvel Publishing doesn't reach. I'm, I'm not complaining about it because I'm a big fan of Dark Horse uh, and some of my fondest Star Wars comics memories uh, are with Dark Horse. Uh, I'm just curious what the line of thinking here is. From what I can tell... There right now there's two comic lines. There's the Marvel comic line and there's IDW. And Connor had mentioned this, and I from what I can see, I think he's right in that it seems Dark Horse is getting Marvel or uh, IDW's uh, license because IDW's all their comic lines seem to be wrapping up their Star Wars Adventures. This current volume of Star Wars Adventures. The Star High Republic Adventures, sorry, the High Republic Adventures is ending, and it seems to be timing it well with when Dark Horse is going to start publishing their comics, and they're going to be focusing mainly on the younger grade, um, all ages comics, which is what IDW does now. And so I'm thinking they are it's, it's going to be the same license, it's just shifting to a different comic distributor. That makes sense to me. I mean, I like Dark Horse a lot in general. They're perhaps my favorite publisher in comics i think i think most of the the books that i really love and stick with are all dark horse so i trust that um i don't know i I just hesitate to have an opinion yet it's interesting though you know yeah i found i found it interesting i found it interesting that like um I have I've talked to people who worked with Dark Horse. I've talked to um, like the editors and and things like that. And I know kind of through the grapevine, Dark Horse got majorly burned when it left when Star Wars left them because they get that makes sense. Star Wars was a huge business for them. They've been doing comics since '91 uh, yeah. when like the license was literally floundering. Nobody wanted to do it. Dark Horse said, "Yeah, sure, we'll do it." And that's kind of where we got the start of the Dark Horse comics, and they really picked up and ran with it. And then for that to them, Disney to really turn around and go, "Yeah, we already own this comic company. Sorry, we're going to use them." Like yeah. Dark Horse was so pissed, um, and and so I'm kind of surprised that they're now going back to Dark Horse. It's more one of those like I'm 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 more surprised that it's actually happening than anything else. Yeah, it's cool. Um... One of my favorite comic book series for Star Wars of all time, um, Legacy, which we've talked about, as you know, my, um, uh, what's his name? Little new Jedi guy. I forget. He's a High Republic Jedi with the Vondum oh. crab. Court. Court, yes. Um, yeah, his his inspiration we've talked about came from that comic book series, Star Wars Legacy. So. Right. Yeah, it's cool. It'll be interesting to see... Um, what types of books we get out of this. I'm wondering if they're going to do some stuff um, that's not canon because we're starting to see more stuff like that come out. Um, I think that would be interesting if they kind of let them play in their own universes with Star Wars characters or Star Wars inspired uh, characters. Or even expand on Legends stories that oh that's a great idea kind of left uh dangling because there's a lot of legend stories out there that were never finished off yeah that's very true wouldn't that be a great series like they just did a series of star wars legends and it's all one on one-offs based on legend stories like wouldn't that be great i know marvel had released a (laughs) (laughs) sorry go ahead 
Marvel had released an issue 108 of the original, like basically continuing that original Star Wars line mm. that um, JJ apparently didn't know about. Uh, <laughs> and so I, it seemed like they were trying to test the waters kind of to see if the legends would work. So I'm wondering if that this is also them wondering if they can release, I think, one shots that tie in or like limited series that tie in with old legend stories would be phenomenal. Yeah, it'd be really cool. All right. Um, yeah, so speaking of legends and non-canon content, should we talk about Star Wars Ronin, a story that is not canon? Sure. Built a thousand generations ago to keep these the original Jedi texts. All right. So, uh, as I mentioned briefly at the start of the show, Star Wars Ronin is a story uh, that comes to us from uh, The Duel, the first episode of Visions, the anthology series of uh, anime Star Wars episodes that were averaged around, I think, like 13 or 15 minutes, something like that. Um, and I'm guessing after the... I don't know, actually. Does anyone know? Like, was it after they saw the duel? Were they like, man, it'd be cool to have a story in that universe? Or... I listened to an interview with the author, uh, Emma Miko Kandon. And she was signed on to do the novel before they even announced Visions was a thing uh, in December. Okay. Right, but that doesn't mean Visions wasn't already in the can at that point. She could not sign... Uh, I, Visions may have been done, but she she had said she could not sign on to the project until she agreed to do it. Um, like, like, she didn't uh, know what okay. she was writing a novel for. That's interesting. For. Right, right, right. Yeah. Disney probably knew exactly what they were doing, but it's a, probably a which came first, chicken or the egg thing, which inspired yeah, the author witch. had no idea. But Disney had the story in, probably in their back pocket. Um, or like yeah. they had, I don't know, but it's, it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe chicken they had. Chicken or the egg thing is exactly what I'm going for here. Like, yeah. I want to know if they got the vision script and we're like, man, this sounds awesome. We should do a book here. Or if I mean, you- maybe. Probably. Because That's from what I read, what it is. from what I heard, she started the book in January. Obviously, she needed to have the script for that by that point. Yeah, yeah. And if they announced it in December, then you're you're dealing like things are real close there. Like, uh, yeah. It, it obviously they probably saw the script and said we can expand upon this as a novel, which gives me a lot of hope that we're going to get um, possibly more content from Visions. Um, yeah. Because I think we talked about when we... I don't, actually, I didn't review Visions with you guys. I missed that episode. But I know I've talked about, excuse me, with you two, either through text or Discord, that I would kill to see, like, the Ninth Jedi as, like, a, a full series. And the, the, uh, the writer and the director of that even said that they wrote it as like a pilot basically. And they have like a full story ready to tell. So man, it'd be so cool if, if they gave us like a full anime series for one of those stories. Yeah. It'd be dope. All right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about the book. So if you haven't watched, uh, visions in the duel, uh, I'll give you a brief synopsis here. Um, so it, they basically tell us that, The Jedi are the most loyal servants of the Empire, 
and that two decades ago, Jedi clans clashed in service to feuding lords. Sickened by this endless cycle, a sect of Jedi rebelled, seeking to control their own destiny and claim power of, in service of no master. They called themselves the Sith. The Sith Rebellion failed, succumbing to infighting and betrayal, and the once rival lords united to create an empire. But even an empire at peace is not free from violence. Far on the edge of the Outer Rim... One former Sith wanders, accompanied only by a faithful droid and the ghost of a less civilized aged. He carries a lightsaber, but claims lineage to no Jedi clan and pledges allegiance to no lord. Little is known about him, including his name, for he never speaks of his past, nor of his regrets. His history is as guarded as the red blade of destruction he carries sheathed at his side. As the galaxy's perpetual cycle of violence con continues to interrupt his self-imposed exile, and he is forced to duel an enigmatic... Bandit, claiming the title of Sith, it becomes clear that no amount of wandering will ever let him outpace the specters of his former life. And that's our episode. So I'd like to point out right now, uh, spoilers will be mentioned. Oh, Lord, yes. So, yeah, that was a synopsis. There's a lot more coming. I know, but from here on out. like, Oh, uh, no, I'm saying that any, for the listeners. Yeah, anybody who's listened to our book episodes, we definitely dive into the book. So it's a... Uh, it'll be spoiler heavy if you want to wait to read the book first or listen to the book. Um, or if you just want to find out about the book, then charge on ahead. Um, yeah. So I think I'll start off by saying, uh, you know, we already mentioned this is not canon. Um, so this book is different in that regard, but it's also, I think the most unique possibly star Wars book I have um, read, at least since Disney has, taken the reins uh this is different than anything i've read that we've talked about on this show or in the last like six years under the disney umbrella um this did not my expectations were just like totally off on what i would get when i read this book it was not at all what i expected and they even kind of pulled a bait and switch on us with the first few chapters where it kind of retold the ronin's story from the duel and then i was like okay all right yep and then the story went in a direction that i did not expect whatsoever what about it, you guys it took a heck of a left turn i'll tell you that right now um but i'm not mad about it i found it quite interesting and surprising um yeah i yeah i was pleased with it i i just didn't know what to expect i hadn't i well, i always try to go into a book with zero expectations it's hard when it's a star wars book but you try and um yeah definitely veered left but i liked that and um i think there was a lot of interesting ideas explored here um yeah definitely different it's it's even more different than any legends story in terms of non-canon material i've never read a legend story like this either um very unique in a good way um there are moments, and we'll get into it, where the prose was not my my personal favorite. Not to say it's bad or anything like that. There, to me, is no denying that this is a good book, um, at least from my writer perspective. Oh, I would 100% um, agree with you. The writing was excellent. Pretty stunning, and I'll get into why I think that. It's It just wasn't always my personal taste, and that is very subjective. So I'll be very, very you know transparent about that um but yeah it's very well done and i think it's definitely worth a read that's my very high level uh spoiler free synopsis review you're welcome 
Yeah, to kind of <laughs> give give my overall opinion, I, I went in this. I did the the review on AP, AIPT Comics, and I started I started off with mentioning that I have literally read every Star Wars novel that's ever been released. There, you're looking at over a hundred different books. This book is nothing like any of them. It is the most unique Star Wars book I have ever read. And that is because it is so, it, it is as if the Japanese culture got transported to the Star Wars universe and kind of evolved there. And so you had a heavy Japanese influence within a, with like a Star Wars tinge kind of shuffled together in a deck. And it is the most unique book. And I remember when we were talking about the the latest Thrawn book, not the one that just came out, the Thrawn Ascendancy, the, the greater good book. I remember when we were talking about it, how I liked it less and less, the more I thought about it and the more I thought, like kind of went over it. This book, I keep liking more, mm. the more I think about it. I like the way the prose was. And it is, you're right. It's really different. It is a, really a personal preference because I could see people hating this book. But I could also see people loving this book because it is such a different style from all the other um, Star Wars books out there. And if you if you don't know what you're getting to, if you're assuming it's um, business as usual, you're going to be in for uh, kind of a surprise. It's a yeah. little bit of a, a, a shock because, um, as you said, Nicole, and you just also kind of repeated it, Jim. Um, there's a certain expectation you have when you read a Star Wars book. There's a certain expectation of um, the pacing, um, the balance between a- action and also um, like characterization. Uh, there's like so much self-actualizing, like th- there's so much introspective, th- like there's so much like meditative and like slow burn abstract like philosophical inward um thinking here and it's very very appropriate for an eastern themed book and you know star wars has always been like you know heavily influenced by george lucas's love of westerns and love of like japanese period pieces about samurais this is a purely period piece about uh like the japanese samurai era and yeah um like the the way that the characters um are developed i don't think i was i just wasn't i don't know that i've ever read anything um like this before like a, a a book that has that type of influence so it was a bit of a shock um and this is not a book that and i don't say that in a bad way um, mm-hmm. it's just not at all what I was expecting. And I don't think this is a book to be read in a hurry. I think this is a book that I would read like a chapter or two a night and really let it sink in. And I feel like that's very appropriate for the writing style and the themes here. Um, but so many Star Wars books, I sit down and I blast through and you really can't do that with this. And that no. did negatively impact my experience a little bit, but that's because I had a deadline for the book club and the podcast. That has nothing to do with the author whatsoever. Right. I I think it's very two things on that. Uh, it's really based on what I understand of feudal Japanese that time period, the feudal Japan like period with samurais and and the warriors and all of this. However, I you know I admittedly don't know much about it being 
not Japanese and having a school system that doesn't really care to tell us about anybody else in the world but us. So <laughs> I admittedly know America. very little. America. Very, very little. But my impressions are that this is this is pulling a lot from feudal Japan. Do I think that that is going to create some dissonance for a lot of American readers? Yes, but that's okay. I don't see an issue with that. I think that as long as you go in saying like this, I might not understand everything in this book and where it's coming from, that where those references are, what the style is. But if you go in knowing that, I think you can still take a ton away from this book. Um, Secondly, yes, this is not a meal to be devoured like quickly this is like a month's long enterprise if you're gonna read this book to fully enjoy it um and i definitely want to take my time and reread it because i also kind of flew through it as like i like to sit and devour a hundred pages of a book that was not smart (laughs) with this book nor practical It, it just wasn't this this is a slow read and i think that that speaks to the pros, um, and I'll get into it in a minute, but I do want to make sure, Jim, you, if you had something to say on that, go for it. The I, I um, like we've talked about before, I do the audiobooks, and the narrator, um, Joel De La Fuenta, uh, he is of Asian descent, and you can, you can kind of hear it in his accent when he's reading the book, but the 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 real gist of it is that I think he really got into the prose and the way it's written. And I, I describe it kind of as if you're sitting around a campfire and you have grandma or grandpa there weaving this tale for you as you are like really just kind of sitting there and absorbing in the story is not a fast-paced action adventure. It is nothing, it's not even close to a fast-paced action adventure. It's not even really a character story, but it is a character story. It's more of a kind of like an epic poem mixed with a Japanese feudal society, kind of the way you are listening to it. Yeah. Yeah, I like like the epic comparison. Like, it's kind of its own Iliad. You know what I mean? Yes, that's a kind of like... something like that yeah it's it's often so i'm happy you drew that distinction because what i was going to compare it to i read a book by nathaniel hawthorne called uh, the house of the seven gables right before i read this because fun fact i went to the house of the seven gables it's real it's the house he he was in a few times um a relative of his lived there and told him all these stories about the house and then he used those to write the book so i read the house of the seven gables right before this and realized very quickly how similar in prose style this book is to classic like english lit like stuff that i read in ap english in high school like stuff happens in these books and it's big events and the author grazes over them really quickly and it's like wait what just happened and you need to like read it four times to understand what they're saying without saying it it's it's a very classic style it's to build suspense usually um it's really hard to master and Emma Miko Kandon did it. 
like there's so many moments in this book where I had to be like, wait, wait, what? And it's not because the writing is bad. It's the opposite. It's she's being so poetic with what she's doing. Yes. That you need to really take your time. And if you try to speed through it, you're you're going to be very unsuccessful. That's what I'm saying. Um, It's very poetic. And yeah, that's why I think it is closer to, like you said, an epic poem than your traditional American novel, right? Um, Especially, not even traditional American novel, traditional science fiction novel. Sure, yeah. Like, it's even further from that. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very far removed from, from what you might think a Star Wars book is. And I found that, I found joy in that. You know what I mean? Did it frustrate me in the moment? Yeah. But that's because of the expectations I had, which I try not to have, but the expectations I did have going in, um, which is why that's I want to read saying. it again you, and give I liked it kind it of a different- more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, and also she plays with, um, I don't know if there's a word for this, uh, you know, uh, strategy, but, you know, dramatic irony, I'll define it for anybody who doesn't know what that is, but it's when you as the reader or the audience know more than the character. Like, we know something that they don't, and it's it, it creates drama. It's called dramatic irony. This is the exact opposite of that, where every character knows 10 million times more than we do, and they have no intention of telling us what it is. Like, at least until maybe the very end. But y- there are so many questions that build and build and build, and sometimes that leaves you unsatisfied. But I think that just is world building here. Like, we know there's something behind the door. I just don't know what it is. And that's, that's, is really interesting. It's, it's, it's a cool strategy. I mean, there's always in books things that we don't know that characters do, but this is consistent and constant and across the board and very elevated. So I did appreciate that. Yeah. This, this is not a book that's meant to be read for a payoff at the end. The, the journey is the payoff and it's, I can see, like, because I was looking at reviews after I finished, and it's, like, cut down the middle. There doesn't seem to be anybody who gave it, like, a 6 or a 5 or a 7. It was either I loved it or I hated it. Yeah. And I can see both camps uh, because you go through this book where you're like, what is going on? And you get to the end. And the author's like, well, it's really up to you to decide what happened here in, like, nine of the ten areas that you had questions. I'm going to give you one, but the rest you can decide for yourself, uh, which I really thought, I really actually enjoyed and thought was, like, I had a good chuckle to myself when I finished the book. I was like, she really just did that to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the yeah. This character is dead. Maybe. Are or they? are they? It's very, like, lore- like you said, a campfire story. It's it's a morality tale. It's if you saw um, the Green Knight, um, that movie. Yeah, it's, it Loved reminds that me movie. of that. Where it's That's like, a great comparison. Do you know what happened? Because I don't. I mean, if you read the the, the legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, like you'll you know be like ah i see what they did but i'm just talking about the movie man that's Um, such a good comparison it's it's very like maybe i don't know do you know i don't like it there isn't an answer because it's supposed you're just like i don't know that this is a morality tale that's not what i'm saying but it, it it's told in a similar way where 
it's not about the story. It's about everything else. It's about the the journey, like you said, you know. I love how I, I, I warned about spoilers, and we have literally said nothing about the story itself. Because <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> Do you want the truth? <laughs> the truth is, I don't know what happened. And that's like, it's like, again, like poetry. I read the poem. I really enjoyed it. Do I know what it's about? No, but that doesn't matter. Like, that's literally what I've learned. It's in like a Robert my... Frost poem. You know, when you read the sure. Robert Frost poem and people tell you what it means, yeah. and that's not actually what it means. Yeah, that's right. exactly what it is. Or like, you know, um, oh my God, what's the poet who wrote all of the poems that Katz is based off of? Oh my goodness. It's gone. From... T.S. Eliot. It doesn't have to mean anything. It d- d- Sometimes a poem is just pretty and a poem is just art sometimes it doesn't mean anything and while i'm not saying that that's what this is that was my experience in reading it i do not know what happened i don't care i will go back and figure out what happened and take my time and be like wait a second but i don't know that we can break down the plot because i don't know what the (laughs) plot was I don't. I don't know what just happened. I know a little bit. I I know kind of what's going on with these characters and how they relate to each other. But if you were like, this happened and this, if you want me to graph it, you know, like the climax, the rising action, falling, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I can so, tell you. <laughs> that's like, there's a fantasy series that I love that this reminds me of. Not in the writing style whatsoever. Um, but in uh, in the way the story's told, it's called Malazan Book of the Fallen, mm. and it drops you in and just goes. And there's ten books, and in every book you get told about something in a way that's like, oh, of course you know what this mystical word is and what it represents. And it's just up to you to construct and build out what a lot of the things may or may not be. So Dune? Uh, <laughs> like, way more than that. I get it, but like, I'm just, Dune, you know, uh, ridiculous but, amounts of uh, information. I feel like Dune does a really nice job of explaining, though, where Malazan sure. is just like, yeah, there's that thing going on. You know about that, right? Yeah, okay, let's keep going. Yeah, um, Dune's the polar goodness. opposite where they over-explain in Dune. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I just, I can't even attempt to even try to think about reading dune because it intimidates me oh you you should so much i know i should having seen that movie i feel like maybe i'd have some grounding and like okay you'll i know who you're talking about a little bit jim is right it over explains uh you'll be totally fine you'll love it all right um but yeah there's just like malazan so much of this book is just like I'm going to mention this thing briefly and then never again. And you can form whatever idea you want about that. And I can see how that's really frustrating for some readers. But there's also parts where I'm like, man, that's really cool. I wonder if it's this or that. Like, And you start to form like all these crazy ideas in your head. And then you're down a rabbit hole about one word that the author said and then moved mm-hmm. on from and never touched on again. Um, but something that I really liked about this um is how she handled the force everyone Mm. whether you're a sith or a jedi described it the same the black current and people are white flares in it there's no light side there's no dark side sith and jedi used it the same um and there was never like any hint that the force could be good or evil it was totally about the individual and i thought that was really cool so yeah go ahead jim 
<laughs> All right. to, to, to kind of piggyback off what you had said a, a while ago, actually, and and this, um, you had emphatically insisted that this is not canon. Um, and I keep see, hearing people say that, but I feel like it could fit into canon, like in a part of the galaxy where things can kind of do their own thing, like a long time before the movie sort of thing. And where you have the Jedi and the and this uprising of the Sith kind of taking place. And it, what I really liked about this book is not only the that Jedi and the Sith are using this force current in the same way, the Jedi and the Sith are so different than what we are used to. Like, mm. you really hate the Jedi by the end of this. And, like, you kind of like the Sith, and they kind of cross... It's like the Jedi really aren't the good guys here, and the mm-hmm. Sith really aren't the bad guys. They're kind of what is their motivation, and that's kind of where they kind of like like it, it, not even their motivation. Like, what is their allegiance to? That's your Jedi. And what, what this, is everything? What yeah. is their motivation? Period. And and like that's that's something else right there. But I was just gonna say the same thing, Jim. Like, it's so interesting. To see the Jedi painted as unequivocally and like not up for debate, bad people. Like bad. They're well, bad and they suck. And everything they do pissed me off. I was like, screw all of you. And then the Sith are kind of the ambiguous ones. Like they're yes. more like much more morally gray. And the Jedi just suck. Over I, and over and over again. <laughs> I kind of I I don't fully agree with that. Um, okay, go on then. Like we do see, <laughs> let, let, support your claim. That's like, like <laughs> Koru, um, the uh, female uh, Sith with the cool umbrella lightsaber, the bandit. I love um, her. Yeah, she she murders two Jedi guardians that are basically children, and uh, from what we've seen of her, like she didn't need to do that and she even talks about right. how she didn't need to do that but then uh, she and, like, saved morally, an entire ship ambiguous. of sith or, or jedi children yeah 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 ambiguous exactly. she's gray like that's she's, all I'm she's saying. a gray area and yeah. the jedi like lord henry uh like clearly cares about the traveler his student like he cl- clearly cares about the twi'lek student that he mentions has all this potential uh any expresses his pride in the cave when um i forget if it's koru or or grim who causes the bridge to collapse um but he's talking about how much pride he has in his jedi when they're jumping straight in to save people and help like the citizens like there are moments don't get me wrong the jedi were huge dicks in this book Um, morally reprehensible at times but like i i think it's like a like the Sith, I think it's very gray. That's what I liked mm-hmm. about okay. the Sith and the Jedi here is that um, neither one seemed like they are portrayed uh, for the most part in um, the standard franchise. Like, mm. it's uh, the Jedi are good, the Sith are bad, and that's that. Like, here, it's, it's very much, they're both kind of dicks, and they're both good guys, and they both... Um, do really nice and really horrible things. And I, I would argue that the same 
could be said for canon that sometimes the Jedi do real dumb bad crap and yes, once like in a while generals in an army right <laughs> and once in a while a sith doesn't suck completely like yeah, once like in ventress, a while ventress has plenty right. of, of you know but i'm just saying like this yeah. portrayal of this the sith and the jedi is more like, stark so much less defined than it is yeah. in the standard franchise and the right. standard canon what we're used to um and i just thought that was so cool like I definitely think the Jedi seem like more of the bad guys here than the Sith mm-hmm. do, especially how they're they swear themselves to their lords, not to the people, and they're basically just like conscripting child soldiers uh, and throwing them into an endless bloodbath. It's Wait, interesting hold- because so many people say that that's what the Jedi do; they steal children and this. That. It's like they took what people say about the Jedi <laughs> in canon and like exaggerated it you know what i mean like they took what sith apologists talk about and were like let's do that like that's not what canon is but let's make it canon like let's do it here pretty sure they do take children (laughs) that's what i'm saying like they they do we just kind of gloss over that fact we gloss over that when we were talking about like the skywalker saga and like what is canon right this was like, let's take all that bad stuff we say about the Jedi and make it really bald, like really apparent that that's what's happening, which I find really interesting, um, which is why I, I still don't know that this is canon. I don't know that they would make that as starkly canon. I don't know. Has they said yeah, whether said this Visions, is canon or not? They've said that Visions and Ronin is, is not canon. It's where and the, how. But, well, they have, but they also said it's not canon until it gets referenced somewhere else. Okay, I, so we'll I, wait for that to maybe happen. I, I took it as them saying like this could be a like side universe that we're gonna build mm. out. Mm. Um, so it, it'll be like canon in a separate universe. Sure. If that uh, makes sense. I, I think it's more kind of like akin to Legends, where you have all that Legends stories and they pull what they want from there. So, like, Ronan can get pulled in, like, not necessarily this story as it is, but maybe kind of the essence of that story could get pulled oh, into canon. You just Whoa. reminded me. I had the I have had the definition of a Ronan on my phone for, like, two months. So I'm going to tell you what the definition because his name is not ronin he is a ronin he's He's the ronin Ronin. it's in feudal japan a wandering samurai who has no lord or master so it's very literal like you couldn't have picked a better you know it's it's a title ripped from reality is what i'm saying uh the the author on that interview i was talking about the author was mentioning she's like i didn't know how many japanese words i could use so i called him like (laughs) i she she had come up with a couple names for him and they're just and the story group's just like just use ronin and she's like good i could use other japanese words too (laughs) yeah i really i really like it um calling him grim though is like my favorite i'm like yeah that forever so Um, that that brings up one of my um, the, the several themes throughout this book, and one of the themes was names. Mm-hmm. There are several characters who go by like you don't learn their names right away. You don't learn Koru, who's the bandit um, from the, uh, the 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 dual short. She comes back. Um, we don't learn her name for a while until she kind of like kind of steps her foot down. She's like, you know, I have a name. 
Um, the Traveler hides their name forever A very until long time. and and their their name gets kind of released by the Jedi, which in a really dick move. It's like, oh, you didn't know their name. It's like, yeah. wow, that was harsh. And then Ronan, it was like an outing. I was like, what the heck is going on around here? Yeah, and then Ronan, we never learned their name. We don't, right? Because we kind oh, of name. learn who he is. Like, what his He's deal the dark is. Lord. the Dark Lord. He's the Dark Lord. But, like, what's his name, though? You know what I mean? Like, that's all He's we He's a little get. bit nicer than Sidious, too. He is. He's a lot nicer. I like him a lot. Um, I also wanted to... I, I couldn't not talk about the fact that we have a, like, main character who's gender neutral, and we... I wanted to bring like, that up, too. We don't talk about... It's not like a conversation. Everyone's just like, yeah, they... And it's that throughout the entire book. No one talks about it because it doesn't need to be talked about. I mean, sometimes it does, but I like that in this book, yeah, it was it's not perfect beat way to write over it. your head. It's not like, oh, let's make this a whole you know conversation. It's just like, it's this simple. That's so that's their pronoun. Their so pronouns it, are they, them, and we move on. Yeah, in, in the Star Wars universe, like the first gender neutral character, I believe, was in the Aftermath trilogy. Um, sure. But it was a very brief interlude chapter. Um, they were there for like barely a second. Um, uh, Daniel Jose Older has used gender neutral characters for mm-hmm. quite a bit. There's um, a couple in the High Republic, but this is the first time it is a major character. Like I would say even ma- more major than Ronan in this book. The Traveler uh, yeah. is practically a lead character. And the only problem i have with this is that every time we get a gender neutral character it's an alien were they an alien i don't yes, know they, they, have a, defi- they have a mask the whole time they, they but they take so the mask I, I, off at right, one point right, they right. have they were, yeah it's been they a have, few weeks since i finished the book yeah they have pure white eyes and it's always an alien and it's like it's like you go that far and yeah. then you you kind of pull back a little to a little to bit like, right yeah and, and that's the only issue i have with it i'm like right, well, yeah just just commit to the they character. could have been humanoid they could yeah. have been humanoid very easily without changing much i'm sure that's coming i i don't think that's malicious but i do agree with you i think I, I, that no there it's needs definitely to not be malicious variety I, there i don't know that they're trying to say anything with that but you do it could be subconscious it could be a bunch of things but yeah it's very important that the next time they do this that character should probably be humanoid just because um because there are many gender neutral people obviously yes, it, that, exactly, and they should be able what... to see themselves or themselves in this universe the way they are right yeah but we're we're fighting that fight all over the place in Star Wars so but but obvi- hey I obviously do like em- that it's Emma's there. on Emma's on the team like like clearly oh oh gosh <laughs> yes absolutely um yeah i think that it it was really cool to read a gender neutral character throughout the whole book present through the whole book very important very important very interesting character oh Um, my favorite character fascinating same i i liked them and then grim and then uh how how will we say her name is it kauru is it koru i said koru i don't think it matters koru's had the audiobook audiobook, so Yeah. yeah okay I really liked. I liked everyone, but y- yeah, there wasn't a character I didn't like. That's always interesting to me when I, I was like never Chia. like. 
I, I, as a, like, as a person, no. But as a character, like, as a device, as, you know, that, like, as a writer, I like that. Like, even if you hate a character, I like that character. You know what I'm saying? Like, in terms of the mechanics of the story. In terms of the mechanics of the story, I like the character. But no, I didn't like, like her at all. <laughs> I really like that kind of the whole um, larger villain is his daughter and you know so much of this spoiler the biggest of spoilers but yeah hey we give the warning there's a listener at this point and they're upset the only spoiler really um the villain's not his villain's not his wife girlfriend lover whoever we want to call her person a person um their person but but it's their person that they made (laughs) Mm -hmm. i just really like that like a big part of like the Sith movement was like not wanting to like um, have to have these kids and these people swear to these lords and like follow them blindly. And they wanted to break that cycle and break away from this. And this is a kid who was just mad that she in a way didn't get taken, got left behind. And the mm. basically the whole thing is like, I just want my dad to be here. Um, daddy which, issues. Yeah, the story is daddy issues. No, it's and at the end, to not be locked in a room with a mirror. My entire exactly. Life. That's <laughs> um, yeah. It's much more than that. Yeah, it's very I'm simplifying clearly, but um, yeah. I, I also really like at the end how he's like, I think she just wants me to teach her how to make a lightsaber, and she's not gonna kill me or anyone else anymore. <laughs> but I'm really Maybe. not sure. Yeah. It's, mm, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it. As we've talked about, this was super different than any other Star Wars book I've ever read. I think it would be due uh, eventually a reread where I can really take my time with it. Um, And I think I would enjoy it a lot more. Um, Not to say that I didn't enjoy it or it wasn't good. It was a great book. The writing, as Nicole mentioned, was exceptional. Um, And as, you know, Jim and Nicole and myself all mentioned, this is not a traditional Star Wars book. It's not anything that you've read before and you really uh, I think to help you with it should have the expectation going into it that it's a period piece it's a it's an Iliad it's it's something that um, like Nicole I also said uh, like a poem it's more about how it makes you feel not what it tells you Um, so I hope that if you listen to this podcast and you um, read the book that you enjoyed it uh, and appreciate it as much as we did if you haven't read it and you got some of it spoiled for you and you still want to check it out i gotta be honest i don't even think the spoilers will really impact your experience with this book at all i don't think so the the plot like the strict plot of the story is not the most important part of the story Like, like jj had said it is the journey along the way and so by even knowing the little few spoilers we even mentioned doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't take away what you're going to experience by in doing this. And actually, I'd like if I was to go back to the story now, knowing what I know would help enjoy it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of mechanics of foreshadowing and hints here and there and stuff that I just missed and was like, I don't understand what that is. I'm moving on. And now it'll it'll be so much more interesting to go back and, I mean, the fact that in the whole beginning of the book you're like, what is this voice? What are these italics? What's going on? And it takes like the whole book for you to be like, aha! Like you understand it bit by bit, but 
Brilliant. Like, those mechanics are really, really brilliant. I didn't hear any italics. Yeah, well, it's the, yeah. I'm sure you heard the italics. (laughs) He spoke in italics. Why is this person speaking in italics? I hate it when (laughs) they do that. (laughs) For real. Oh, all right, uh, that is going to do it, guys. We're going to get out of here. Thank you for hanging out with us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, if you did, one of the easiest and quickest ways that you can help support the show is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it just takes two minutes tops, uh, and it does so much good for the show. That's why we ask. Um, if you'd like to take it a step further, uh, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash AIPTcomics. For $2 a month, you get access to our book club, where in addition to books, we talk about comics. We're going to be, uh, we talk about news, and we're going to be talking about the book of Boba Fett as well at our next meeting. So if you want some folks to hang out with and talk about that with, where are your folks? Uh, we have a nice group of people on our Discord, which you'll also get access to. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Tauntauns. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email, if you have some questions about Star Wars, some thoughts, some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. TalkingTauntauns at AIPTcomics.com. And you can find all of us on AIPTcomics.com uh, for more Star Wars content, tons of comic books, stuff, video games, movies, the works. Uh, so again, hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.